Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's episode, one step forward, two steps back for the Jets after their weekend back-to-back against the Preds and Blues. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right. Hope you guys had a good weekend, all things considered, I guess. Good to be back at it here. Took it a little extra time off due to some work-related conflicts, but it's all good because we're back at it here to start off the week. Another big one for the Jets. They're kind of all big right now. Um, Bigger than they need to be. If the team was playing a little more solidly, I guess. So plenty to get to from the weekend that was, as well as a big trio of games up ahead here. Joining me once again, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, how we doing? Oh, we're doing okay. It's a, it's a Monday, you know, you kind of get, get back into the swing of things, especially after that weekend. It was just a kind of a disappointing weekend all around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I figured, I always try to inject some positivity into this <laughs> i got good news bad news here what would you like first are you good news or bad news first guys let's do the bad news first okay the bad news is the jets suck again <laughs> <laughs> i can't really sugarcoat that one that, that's as good as i can do but the good news is miss vicky's has a new flavor of chip on the shelf uh-oh I don't know if you've seen it or not. Ms. Vicky's All Dressed are now available for purchase. I have. I actually have tried them. You've tried them? Yeah. And the verdict? They're all right. They're, oh, honestly, that's they're, what I was afraid of. All yeah, right. Oh. I was a little disappointed. I mean, like they're so, they, they just taste like an all-dressed chip, really. Like, it's just like a kettle version of an all-dressed chip. Like, it's... Well, I, I, I guess they they did what the package said. So, I mean, that's that's good. They delivered there. To be well, honest... Like you're, you're just saying, like, like it's like a like a 7 out of 10 chip, right? Yeah. Like, I would still... I'd still say that the Ruffles all-dressed is still better all things considered like it's just there's it's got a weird it's got a little weird aftertaste kind of that's the one thing about it it's like there's something that where there's just a little lingering taste where it's like this isn't like what normally an all-dressed chip tastes like but maybe like that could something some people could be into that i just i'm not i wasn't the biggest fan 
Well, no, and you have a pretty unrefined palate, so you might that's, not have picked that's up. On, that's actually you might, not, why. <laughs> you might not have picked up on some of the nuances that the missus <laughs> was selling to the masses there. I actually, you know, I've made enemies with Old Dutch in the past. I think Old Dutch has the best all dress. I so you're saying I, I don't have a refined palate, and you're going all Dutch, all dressed? Do you want to start a chip? Do you want do you want to start a bloodbath? Not only from me, but from everybody else out there. First off, my palate is extremely refined. I can all five, six divisions of taste. I can pick up on each inch. I have of the my best tongue. taste. I have the best taste. I do have the best taste, <laughs> and I I am I I I would say I highly doubt anybody consumes as many chips as I do. Um, <laughs> and just taking a look at my. I just dummied three compliments, extra flavor chips over the weekend. I was hoping that it would last me a week. It, it was about like a day and three quarters that I went through three bags of chips. Um, but that's too bad. I was kind of looking forward to trying that. Um, I'm a have bit tried, like. Have you tried the spicy ketchup, Miss Vicky's? So I, so I have a few times. I don't know what I think about those. I like them. I like those ones. I would say I like them. I'm going to have to try them again because I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't mind the spiciness, but for some reason, ketchup as a kettle cooked chip was like a little off for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to revisit that. That'll be my assignment for this week. I will, I will do it for the people. I will taste, I will uh, taste test a new bag of Miss Vicky's there. I mean, the, the ultimate goat Miss Vicky is, is salt and vinegar. I mean, that, that, that's the greatest chip flavor of all time. Yeah, that that one's just perfection. They did it right. And a couple, couple like probably a month ago now, you had given me an assignment. If you don't try Miss Vicky's and get back to us, I will have to release some embarrassing information. I like it. I like it. I've had them before. <laughs> I'm just gonna have them again. Um, since we're on the topic, and because it's you know pretty upsetting to talk about it, you know, just breaking down what actually happened. What what flavor chip are the Winnipeg Jets right now? <laughs> I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say they're not salt and malt vinegar from Ms. Vicky's, but if you had to if you had to put a, a type of chip, how would you best describe the state of the Winnipeg Jets right now? Well, I don't know if this necessarily counts as a chip, but I'm gonna go with the popcorn twists. Just... <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. That a little slow. I will one hundred percent accept that answer. I was. I think I'm like kind of on a similar wavelength. I would say. I'm just trying to think of. There, there's a brand of chip that's just like it, it's it's leaving my mind right now. But what I'll I'll say right now, the Winnipeg Jets are a bag of Lay's Originals that have been left open in the sun for about two and a half months. <laughs> Stale, flavorless, and uninspiring. That, and it's wild to say this too, because the Jets, like, they picked up such a massive win against Nashville on Saturday. Like, and, and so, like, one and one, it's not the end of the world, all that. But it, I think it's just combined with where they've been for the past... I mean, pretty much since the start of the new year, there was that stat that they're like, what, the sixth worst record in the NHL over the last two months, something like that. 
they did they they beat Nashville, but they didn't play outstanding. But it's like, okay, you beat the Preds, you get it done. Results are all that matter right now. Finish off the Blues, a team that's destined for the draft lottery. And everything's hunky-dory heading into the last 10 days of March. And then they just they just sink the joint up in Missouri. I know the shot clock was in their favor and everything, Tice. And I know even the, like, the analytics would say the Jets outplayed St. Louis in this one. To me, it looked like good old Manitoba boy Joel Hofer had himself a pretty easy night between the pipes. And you just, you couldn't convince me that there was a team on the ice Sunday night that was battling for their playoff lives on either side of the ice. It was, it had preseason game written all over it. And win or lose, at this point in the season, if the Jets aren't emptying the tank every single time they're stepping out on the ice, then what the hell are we even doing right now? Right? And on top of that, all their flaws are being exposed when the top guns aren't aren't firing on all cylinders, and they clearly aren't right now. I don't know if it was the most frustrating game of the season because they have put together a dozen or so of those over the past little while. But I, I don't know, Tyson. I, I just, even the weekend as a whole, but specifically that game against St. Louis, I, I just found myself after that game going, and I hate to sound like our old man <laughs> when he says this all the time, but like, Where's the heart? Like, where's like where's the intensity out there? Outs- outside of one guy that we'll get to in a brief, ill-fated decision. We'll, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But like, where is the where is the we're going down dying effort that has seemingly lacked for the better part of three or four months? It's just so disappointing to see this team go out with a whimper as opposed to go out with a bang. Yeah, and then even going back to that Nashville game, you're playing a team that's super banged up. They have no Philip Forsberg in the lineup. Let me let I've, me just jump in there, Tyson. Nashville sucked. They yeah. are awful. I know they're like winning. That is a bad hockey team right now. And yes, again, the Jets were out shooting their opposition, but it did it, they, they did not make life super difficult for the Preds in that one. Right, and that's without Roman Yossi too for two periods. Like they were they were playing a team that decimated up front and they lost their best player during the game for a large portion of it and and to your point too Nashville didn't really do much like they didn't it's not like they took it to the Jets the Jets kind of just kind of laid back and let the game just happen it's that and that's kind of what I feel has been a a common reoccurrence with this team is that they're just kind of letting the game happen instead of attacking the game and forcing the issue and trying to bounce on opportunities but as the season as the season goes on those opportunities become less and less because teams are playing that more playoff style hockey and even teams that are below you in the standings and might not have a chance to make the playoffs those are guys that are battling for contracts next season so right now that in the nhl there is a constant you have to bring 100 percent effort or you're not going to win hockey games and we're seeing that with the jets right now and especially with that st louis game we've talked about connor hellebuck having some struggles if it wasn't for Hellebuck in that game, that it's probably six nothing, maybe maybe even seven. There was some really high dangerous opportunities that the that the Blues had, and he made the big saves when they had to. But the Jets just couldn't do anything with them. No, no, they can't score. <laughs> I mean, that's been a problem all season long. The finishing is just completely dried up, and and they're it's this awful combination of like they're not playing up to their capabilities, 
the intent. I'm not going to say effort because I, I, I like it's not like the team isn't trying. It's just the intensity level isn't where it needs to be. And then they have absolutely new, no confidence with the puck on their stick. Like it, it's this just triple threat of absolute abomination. And, and we're seeing this team just struggle to even get the puck towards the net and, and, and create consistently dangerous opportunities. They're getting a decent amount of shots lately, but I don't know. I I mean, the the I saw the expected goals against St. Louis was like two for the Jets. That, that felt pretty high for me. Like, I, I didn't think it was all that dangerous of an output by the team. And I mean, you you should be peppering Joel Hoffer. You should be you should be carving up the St. Louis Blues without Tory Krug for the majority of the right. Like they're they're down guys. They've traded guys. Again, that's not a good hockey team that's out there on the ice. And the Jets. I mean, the big thing that stood out to me was the Jets couldn't even get through the neutral zone. I mean, it was just like a battle just to try to get the puck anywhere. You know carrying the puck in cleanly it was you know let's just try to get to the red line and dump it in and see what we can do there and then they were moving their feet to try to win puck battles after that like it it was just really really uninspiring hockey and it's it's just inexcusable at this point in the season like you you just can't have it. it it's it's one thing to lose it's one thing to not score but i i think what is also kind of bothering me the most here and i i i've mentioned this for a while now but Excluding Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey, when's the last time a forward took over a game for the Jets? I literally do not know the game. Like, you would have to point it out to me on a schedule, and I would, eh, maybe it was that. I, I cannot remember for a team with so much apparent high-end talent how nobody is seemingly willing to to jump up and grab everybody by the collars and say enough's enough. Enjoy the ride here. I'm carrying us to two points. Maybe the closest has been Nino Niederreiter. You know, he's just been consistently solid for the team since he came over, but it's just go up and down the line. I don't think it's just one guy. Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Dubois. I, I don't know what the reason is for this. Like, it's just flat. It's flat all over the place right now. And I, I think all the questions about the leadership core last year that were certainly justified come right back and rearing their ugly head with how the team is floundering late in this season because nobody is stepping up to the plate and nobody is trying to drag this team into a better spot heading into the postseason here. And now that's even up for question. That's up for debate, um, depending on what happens in, in a huge game between the Flames and Kings. Uh, we're recording this Monday night. They're hitting the ice in about an hour or so. Right, like the, the the Jets' playoff hopes right now are hanging very, 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 very much on a thread, and it, it almost feels dependent more on how well Calgary plays as opposed to what Winnipeg does. But to me, Tice, I would just like to see win or lose, first round exit, miss the playoffs, somebody to just step up and say enough's enough here. Like I'm an all star level talent, try and stop me. That that's what I want to see. I don't know who it's going to be, and that's maybe the scary part is you can't even predict who it might be. We just haven't seen that in weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, and I think the guy who's been carrying them for the most part offensively and de- defensively, Josh Morrissey, I think he's banged up. Like, I think he's really dealing with some injury issues right now, and he's trying his best to kind of put on a, the best face that he can for this team. But he's just it's just not the same player that we saw a couple months ago. And that's kind of what happens when you play that much, and he's playing at such a high level, and the team starts to take notice and – start to give him a little extra extra shots here and there. But it's just, like you said, with the forwards, it's so uninspiring. And 
I'm sure we were going to talk about this, but especially with the power play too, there's just no urgency. There's no, there's no, there's no need. There's no want to score a goal. It's let's kind of just keep this on the perimeter and hope something opens up. And that's to me that one of the biggest problems with the power play right now is a lot. I mean, there's so many too. It's the lack of, it's just a predictable power play. And there's just not a lot of movement, especially in the bumper spot. Like we see, like especially that St. Louis game. You watch Mark Shifley on that power play. He I don't he doesn't move from there's like a ten foot box where he doesn't leave and it's just parked there. Do you know how easy to defend cross crease passes and just almost everything on the power play when the guy in the middle's not moving and you just know where he is all the time? Like it's just no creativity. There's no puck moving behind the net half the time. Like Blake Wheeler gets the puck and he gets it below the goal line on the right side of the post. What's he gonna do? He's either going to try and pass, do a pass across or pass it back to the to the half wall. And teams just know that he's doing that. They, that's so easy to defend. A guy that lays down in front of the net, you're not going to make a saucer pass three feet in the air, drop it on a guy's tape nine times out of ten. Like, it's just such low percentage plays that have to happen for them to score goals. And it's just a lack of creativity. And this is – I'm going to put a little bit of blame on the coaching staff. It's just you've seen how ineffective this power play has been and it's just minimal, minimal changes. It's really like the personnel hasn't really changed. I mean, they've moved Nino Niederreiter, who, who was on the top power play for a while when he came here. They bumped him down to the second unit, put Shifley in that bumper spot. I, to me, I just think Blake Wheeler on that top unit right now is a non-factor. I, I don't think anything comes from him when he touched the puck below the goal line. I think that you need to start... I, I would honestly love to see a change where maybe Mark Shifley takes over on the right side of the, on the half wall and give him some, some opportunity to work on his forehand. He can rip shots from the top of the dot. It's easier to find guys cross, cross crease when you're on your forehand and you can make those passes easier across instead of kind of having to pivot and look back towards a guy when you're on your, on the left-hand wall. It's just, I just don't understand where, the thought is there's just it's just a thoughtless power play and that goes for the players that goes for the coaching staff it's just so many problems right now and it just kind of seems like at this point and you hate to say it but it's just kind of when something goes bad you just expect it to go bad and especially we've seen over the past couple games how many times have the Jets given up a goal before the first tv timeout (laughs) in these past couple games like it's happened it's happening way way too frequently and it's so late in the season now too, where you, you're kind of just grasping for straws on how to fix this. Yeah. I got to get into the power play in a, in a quick stack here because it's, yeah, it, it's certainly something right now. Uh, so we'll get to that. What changes need to be made, what we expect to be made and then look ahead to the matchups coming up for the jets the rest of this week. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Because right now, the magic of the madness is underway. Plenty to dive into with the NCAA tournament in the midst of heading into the Sweet 16 later on this week. And new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can enjoy a few little extra perks with DK as you take part in trying to win a couple of extra bucks 
during the March Madness tournament. I will say that I have officially retired from gambling. I will never put down another dollar ever again after a back-to-back set of beyond heartbreaking losses. Having said that, I do like UConn plus minus six and a half this upcoming week. So I might put down a couple of bucks on that. I don't know. Anything jumping out to you, Tice, after the first weekend? Ah, man. Not for March Madness because I've kind of checked out after my bracket was just destroyed. I mean, it was just so dumb. I don't know why I picked Duke. It's just stupid. I don't don't even like Duke either. And I just, it's dumb pick but i i will not refrain from betting because i did have a successful weekend regardless of my bracket being busted so DraftKings, keep the keep the promos coming please yeah if you want to help tight if if you want help with your college basketball bets do the old uh costanza whoever's tyson's taking just roll with the other team in that one maybe i don't know if you like princeton or whoever but there's a a bunch of intriguing matchups a bunch of canadians as well in the field so make sure you hit up dk over the next few days to earn yourself some big bucks very easily. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so the power play. I will say March 20th, 2023 of this NHL regular season, the Winnipeg Jets have the worst power play in the NHL. I know statistically there are teams with a lower conversion percentage than the Winnipeg Jets. I don't even watch all the other teams on the man advantage. I just can't imagine there is a team out there that is worse than what the Winnipeg Jets are doing right now. I mean, what is it? Four, four straight over games? Might be five straight over games. I mean, it feels like a bloody miracle if they're able to get a high danger shot on net. It is. It's the proverbial. Can we just decline the two minutes and like, can we get a bonus, an extra timeout, or something? Like, is is there some other way we can benefit as opposed to going five on four out there and killing any momentum that we might have in the game? It it's it's shocking and. You're, you you do wonder, kind of like what you alluded to there, Tyson. Is the coaching staff out of answers here? Like, do they do they know what else to do at this point? I mean, to, to me, I don't think it's necessarily one player's fault. But to me, the easy answer right now, just, it, just flat out, Blake Wheeler can't be on the first power play. It's become more and more apparent over the last several games. But, and, you know, again, I don't know if he's battling something. I don't know if he's in his mid thirties and just tired as hell, like like I am. He, he's he's lost a, he's lost a couple steps. He's just too slow. He's I, I'm not even talking. Speed. He's just slow with the puck, slow to move, slow to do anything, and it it just kills any kind of creativity and movement the Jets have because he's stationed below the goal line there, and like you said, he's he's making very very predictable passes that everybody can see coming, and he's not from that spot below the goal line, setting somebody up in a dangerous position. So why the hell do we have somebody down there if they're just going to make a pass to one of the sides there and then the puck gets cycled around and nothing happens? You're just, you're making it easy on the penalty kill at this point. So, I mean, to me, the, I I mean, I guess glass semi-half full, Nikolai Ehlers being on the first power play unit was a good step in the right direction, although 
that didn't help at all. And, and I think even Ehlers had some struggles getting into the zone cleanly against St. Louis. But to me, the, the answer is simple. It's Ehlers, Shifley, Connor, Dubois, Morrissey. Those are your five guys. And you just pray to God that they can figure it out somehow. Because I, and that's the other thing too. When Shifley's in the bumper spot and Wheeler's below the goal line, there's no net front presence. You've got guys like Dubois and Niederreiter that are very effective at that. Du- Dubois is one of the better ones in the league, I think. So it, it, I, I just, I think that experiment has run its course and, and that's got to be the first move heading into the game against Arizona here is go with your five best offensive guys on the power play. And then that's it. Hope they figure it out. seems like a pretty good plan to me. I don't know. Like the Jets don't have, the Jets don't have a specialist at this point in time on their roster that you can put somebody in there that isn't one of your four best forwards and top defensemen. That that to me is the easy solution. Then you could have Blake Wheeler run a power play, the second power play unit on the half wall like he's done for ten plus years. And I think to me that's your only hope at getting some semblance of productivity out of this extra man unit. And and even that, you know, you might just be hoping to get a goal every couple of games as opposed to a power play that's going to be running at 25%. Um, the other thing that I think, and I would agree what you said as well, Tyson, that, you know, the coaching staff deserves, I, I think, a decent amount of blame in all of this as well, although the players could certainly help them out a little bit. You know, you, you do wonder a little bit about Rick Bonus's end of his tenure in Dallas when they just could not score could not generate offense. It was just a, a pain to watch them play. And yet with Pete DeBoer um, behind the bench now, that same group of Dallas Stars players currently have 41 more goals in the Winnipeg Jets. Sorry, 30 goal, thirty more goals in the Winnipeg Jets do right now. So you do wonder if coaching is playing a little bit into this as well. But to try to kickstart any offense here, again, I think you just got to make it really simple here. And when none of your lines are really going, who are your best offensive players? What's been your best line all season long? It wasn't for a ton of games, but to me, this team's best line was Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers. And to me, if you're trying to kickstart yourself out of this slump that you're in, put those three together. You might give up a couple at your end of the ice throughout the game. But at the very least, they might inject some energy and some production and some excitement into the game to try to maybe send a jolt through the rest of the lineup there. That, that's what I would be looking to do to try to kickstart something here in these final 12 or so games, Tyson. Have Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers back together. The potential for that line, at the very least, is, is through the ceiling. And then you can still put together a pretty damn good second line. And even you know a third line that could chip in once in a while. But... You can have a second line of of Shifley and Niederreiter and then kind of choose who's going the most at that moment, whether it's Wheeler, whether it's Nemestikov, whether it's Morgan Barron. I, I, to me, that gives you the best chance right now. I, I don't know if you see it similarly or, or, or differently, but I think in terms of what can be done to get this team slowly trending in the right direction, the number one move that I would be making that I think is actually realistic as well is having Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers together and hopefully those three who have been mostly down over this past little while can maybe kickstart each other and get them going for the first time in what feels like forever. Yeah, no, I do agree with you on on the lines. And that's I think that's where missing Cole Perfetti is a big thing too. 
like imagine a line of Nino, Shifley, and Cole Perfetti as your second line. I mean, that would be that would just help tremendously. And I and I'm def, I'm not a, honestly not not opposed to putting Blake Wheeler on the third line with Adam Lowry and Morgan Barron. I think those are two guys who drive the net hard, who are hard on pucks, and that kind of just gives Wheeler an it's opportunity. A big line, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that gives Wheeler the opportunity to kind of face some some more favorable matchups, I, I think, for him, just because I know that there's going to be some times where the Lowry line's out there against the top teams. But for the most part, I think it's kind of a 50-50 split where Lowry plays the top line, third line. It's kind of just depends on how the game's going. And I think Wheeler would help with two guys who drive the net and he can kind of get the puck to them, throw pucks towards the net and let them do their dirty work down there. I think that would be a great matchup. And I honestly, the way Nemestikov's played, I wouldn't mind playing him with, Nino and Shifley on that second line. I think that those two that those two guys have played very well. And I mean, Nino's kind of struggled the last couple of games, and I think we that's been a little bit reflective in his ice times compared to the the when he first arrived in Winnipeg. But man, like it's just someone's got to do something. And we we talked a little bit about it, but Kyle Connor, he's invisible. Like he's actually nowhere to be seen in these games, and that's just so concerning. I I don't, and you can see the frustration continually boiling over. It's really gotten to a head now, and I just, I I would love to be a fly on the wall in that locker room after a game like the St. Louis game, and kind of just, I just wonder what that what the vibes like in there. We talked about earlier, and we kind of we kind of even overplayed it. The vibes were high at the start of the season, and right now it just seems like. And you don't want to speculate, but it just seems like a lot of these guys aren't looking forward to coming to the rink. And uh, when it's like that, and we've seen that with this core over the past couple of years where the season kind of starts to dwindle down and so does their play. And I I think everyone in Jetsland has kind of come to the realization that there's going to be some major surgery to this roster in the offseason. And it's just a matter of finding out who, who is going to be a part of the solution and who's a part of the problem right now. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that, which is also a little bit concerning at, at this point of the season, at this point in the uh, trajectory of the core group of players on this team. So St. Louis-Nashville now in the rear view. Winnipeg four points up on Calgary. Calgary has a game in hand coming tonight against the Kings. Matchups against Arizona and Anaheim this week and really a favorable set of matchups for the Jets up until their next matchup with the Calgary Flames. Arizona Tuesday, Anaheim Thursday, L.A. Saturday, then San Jose, Detroit, New Jersey a tough one before you take on Calgary on April the 5th. In all reality, Tyson, if, if the Jets are any bit serious of making any amount of noise in the postseason, they should have a playoff spot wrapped up by the time they play. That that Calgary game should be inconsequential. I say should because with the way this team has been trending lately, might might mean a little bit more than than it really should. But I mean, come on. In all honesty, I know Arizona's playing decent hockey right now. You got to take care of business against Arizona. You got to sweep the floor with the Anaheim Ducks and end that game by the time the second period gets underway. The Kings game is going to be a tough one. No doubt about that. 
but then you embarrass San Jose and you should take care of business against the Red Wings. Like though though you should very easily go four and one in this stretch. And I think I really think anything less than that is is kind of embarrassing. I don't know what you think, Tice. Like, I mean, especially these next two, Arizona Anaheim. I just I, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear anything about how good the coyotes are playing. Roster to roster, this should be it should be a demolition. But four and one to me is kind of the bare minimum of what we should expect from the Jets in this next little while. And the funny part with that is four and one would probably book their ticket to the postseason. Yep. No, no it would. And but the thing that we've seen before with Arizona, Karel Vizmelka, it's thick. Yeah, he's, the, he's the he's the kryptonite but yeah i agree with you it's just and to win these games i i think what's important too is not just winning these games on the on the score sheet but winning these games overall like going deep into the games and winning in the trenches winning in the net battles winning along the boards like i you should be winning these games handily against these teams it shouldn't be a grinded out battle like it was in nashville where uh, you you ended up and we've talked we've heard a lot about them not getting the bounces but there was a nice bounce on that Lowry goal to to kind of shift the Jets towards a win in that one but you need to win these games handily these are teams that suck like I'm not, not going to sugarcoat it Anaheim sucks Arizona on paper sucks like you need to beat these teams San Jose sucks this is just an, a crucial point in the season where and it will be very telling heading into the playoff run if they are even in the playoff run after this stretch of games. But how you handle the games against these teams where on paper you're miles ahead of them, miles ahead of them. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, please just, yeah, again, don't suck. Like, just just find a way. I don't know. I, I, like, at, at this point, you're, at this point of the season, like, you're kind of, you're kind of all in on the playoffs, right? Like I know some people might be out there like, hey, hope the like just flame out and then everything gets changed in the offseason. I think change is coming either way. Just be nice to like see them play well going into the playoffs and then maybe like figure out what happens in the first round and then you see what goes on after that. But it's it's pretty especially for guys like Hellebuck and Morrissey. Hellebuck with how good he has been, Morrissey with the kind of season he's having. You would hate to see that go to waste and mean essentially nothing if they just peter out and you know, find a way to shock the world and, and, and miss the playoffs as a total there. It might be the Lays classic of ending a hockey season. I got a list of the worst chip flavors of all time, Tyson, and Lays classic is number one. I think I would agree. I think I would agree with that. Really? I think it's just classic. No, it's classic like like you wouldn't watch a black and white movie from the nineteen twenty or like drive a the first ever Ford car, right? Just because it's a classic. It, it sucks now. The Lay's classic, Jay, that, that, what would you even do use it for? It's, you, it's too late to dip. It's like salty, but somehow still bland. It, it is, there is no chip that even comes close to the Lay's classic in terms of just awfulness all around. I mean, it brings the fundamentals. Like, there's no, there's no ketchup chip. There's, there's no salt and vinegar chip without what? the Lay's Classic. No, no. What are you talking about? And 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 think like at a party too. If you're having a couple drinks at a party and you're, and it's just you've had a little bit too many. The Lay's Classic. You see it there. It's like you know, I don't really want a ketchup chip. I don't really want a salt and vinegar chip. I just want something to kind of, to kind of mellow things out a bit. And you just grab a hand. 
couple of Lay's classics and you just and you put them down and you're like, okay, now now we can have another couple drinks. If somebody has a bowl of Lay's classic chips out at a party, put your foot through their TV screen. Metaphorically <laughs> speaking, I don't condone any damage to property. Metaphorically, put your foot through their TV. I think this is them out the window. Metaphorically, again, that that is a, that's a war crime. That that you might go to the Hague for that. I think um, that's really disrespectful. I think that's re- like that's like saying Bill Russell isn't an all-time great. Because no, if Bill like Russell it, would Bill Russell would get trashed by anybody in the NBA, he just said no, I'm, no. Yeah, you I'm can't sorry. say that. <laughs> I guess Bill Russell was like six nine. He'd go, he is no. You're telling me Bill Russell right now would be able to handle the honest in the post? Well, Bill Russell doesn't have rate. This isn't. This is not a bas- This is not a basketball debate, Tyson. The Lays Classic sucks. Uh, the next one on this list, before things get out of hand completely, I think we would both agree on this: um, the Hickory Sticks. Yeah. Well, Tyson, <laughs> a, a Hickory. The one I'll. Give Hickory Sticks a little bit of a defense. If you use it as like a topping, I think that's acceptable. On like a on like a casserole or like mac and cheese, I think I think that's acceptable. But if you're eating them plain, that's kind of messed up. That's that's yeah, that's psycho stuff. Eating a plain, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's barely acceptable as a topping. But don't don't eat that. And then uh, next up on the list here, just quickly, the bottom three. There's a bunch that I haven't heard of before. I mean, they have like Tostitos taco chips, but like, who eats taco chips? Play it's it's a vessel for. I'm not even going to include that in there. Um, Sun chips harvest tomato. That that is fair. Oh, okay, that, harvest tomato. Yeah, that's a fair one. Better. They do have Lay's uh, Lay's dill pickle. Um, that's a joke. Miss Vicky's has the best spicy dill pickle. Is an elite flavor. That's a high end flavor. Yeah, I, I find dill pickle, it's always hit or miss for me, dill pickle chips. It depends, like it depends on the bag, but I, I, I only mess with Miss Vicky's spicy dill pickle now. We're kind of, we're, we're going a little, I'm going to bring it back to Jets here because you mentioned spicy and I <laughs> wanted, to, wanted to talk about this before we wrap up the episode. Sure. But with the, especially when we talked about like the lack of inspiredness and the lack of kind of killer instinct almost, how about when Ehlers... Has Thank to stand, you. Yeah, has to end up standing up for himself against Brandon Shen, a guy who has been in many fights. I mean, what he kind of got when he was first in the NHL, he kind of did. He got what happened, what he did to Ehlers when Ilya Kovalchuk knocked him out. But right, but like, and we saw earlier in the game a team that's out of the playoffs and has no playoff aspirations. There's a collision in the corner where Nathan Walker kind of goes in awkwardly and bangs his knee up. It was. I don't think it was dirty or any malicious. I don't even think it was malicious, but Tory Krug took offense to that. And that's, and I, and there's kind of been a discussion over the last little bit around like in hockey circles about the instigator rule, uh, the, the purpose fighting has in hockey. And I'm not the, when there's a clean hit, I think that there, there's a tendency to, that there's too many fights, but I don't think you can remove fight, fighting from hockey. I think fighting is a, is a part of the game and it's, it does people who say that there's no effect from fighting haven't played for a team right like when when there's a fight with your team and it just dry it just jolts your bench like when there's a big when there's a big ruckus that's kind of a weird word but when, 
when there's a big brouhaha in the corner or something and one of your guys comes out and kind of just gives it to a guy, there's no team anywhere where that doesn't get you going a little bit. And I think that there's a time and place where fighting is is acceptable and does serve a positive purpose. I, I Obviously, we want to take out the head injuries the, with the helmet, not removing helmets, that sort of thing. But you just saw a team with St. Louis where they those are guys who kind of care about each other. And I don't want to say that the Jets don't care about each other, but this could also play into like kind of the lack of focus in games, the lack of being into the game. And I think that having – it wasn't – and even with the Ehlers play, it wasn't anything crazy. But when you have a guy kind of just going around and taking liberties on your star players, like you want to see a, you want to see some guys kind of st- stick up for you. Like, hey, I got your back. Like, let's let's go into the trenches together. Let's let's battle here. And it's just that's kind of the thing that seems like is missing with this team. Well, I mean, there's a few things from that 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 play. Uh, the first one is the fact that nobody steps up for Nikki. Like that that's that's noticeable right then and there. And then you have a guy that's thirty pounds heavy. I mean, you're what two different weight classes and and for anybody that's seen Chen drop him before minus the Kovalchuk like he can chuck him like he that's the second I saw him like oh I, I like just that was the best case scenario what happened for for Ehlers there in, in terms of outcomes for that fight so there was the first aspect nobody stands up for him and that that bothered me but it you know depending on where everybody was on the ice at the time it's like okay maybe it's maybe it's understandable but it was interesting to me because people were posting the after the the, the fight people were posting on on twitter when Ehlers i i don't know if it was tyson berry but remember the fight in colorado when he went up against one of the avalanche in colorado and all of a sudden it was nikolai Ehlers the enforcer like he just pummels the guy but what stood out to me there was Ehlers fight in colorado the second after it happens the bench is losing their minds. They're going crazy. They're, they stick like pats all over the place, hugs for you, like all this stuff. Like they, they were they were invested in the moment. You have Ehlers trying to get the team fired up a little bit, going a couple of weight classes above where he should be, and admittedly getting his head beat in. I saw one guy even acknowledge him as he left the ice. <laughs> it was like what like it, nothing? Nothing yeah. there? Like nobody's gonna do anything? That 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 pissed me off more than nobody stepping up and trying to go after Shen in that moment. Is that right after it happened, it was basically just thanks, Nikki, see you later. No, no, nobody showed any outward sign of emotion. And then there was absolutely nothing after that in terms of on the ice, how they responded to that as well. Like there was no boost in anything from the team. It, it, that that yeah. It, it was disappointing all around, but I thought that kind of encapsulated where this team is at right now is that even when you try to get a moment of inspiration, it is just flat there right now. And there is only so much a coach can do and only so much a GM can do when that situation is going on. You just need somebody up there to step up a little bit. And, um, you know, I'll give Nikki credit for going up against a tough guy, knowing that he was probably going to get his face punched in. But it would have been nice to see the team step up and acknowledge him either by, you know, acknowledgement there or at the very least an increase in intensity of their play in the last 20 or so minutes. And that uh, quite clearly didn't happen against the St. Louis Blues in a shutout loss on Sunday night. And, we'll and see. I, just, 
sorry, I just wanted to add one more thing. Like with Ehlers in his post game interview, I don't know if you if you saw it or he looked defeated. Like he, that was a guy, a hockey player that looks dejected with how the season's going, and I, I don't blame it at all. But it's just you're starting to see some visible tells from this team, and it's it's worrying. Well. Could get more worrying, Tyson. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I know the matchups get easier on paper, but if they drop anything here, it is going to get heated even more in this city right now. Either way, win-lose, we'll break it down for you guys when we get back at it at the end of the week. But that'll do it for today's episode of Skates and Plates. Thank you for listening once again right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it to close out the week Friday morning. Hopefully breaking down a pair of wins, but we'll break down a pair of games for the Jets at home. Nope, sorry. One at home against Arizona, then out on the road in California against Anaheim. Oh, it's a late one against the Ducks. Oh. I'll be, I'll be, hey, that's that one. Uh, we might have to do an episode the next day because I'll be at the station till late. We'll stay tuned till the end of the week. <laughs> There will be an episode at some point Friday. How about that? May not come out Friday morning, but we'll get something out to you Friday. No doubt about that. Until then, though, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Have fun and stay safe. And thanks once again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates. CJOB's Tyson Rowicki stopping by once again. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. We'll talk to you guys at some point Friday. Peace.